The farmer, the sower sows, is the word of God. The sower, of course, is the one who spreads that word. Jesus himself, his disciples, his followers for all time. And the soil is the hearts, our hearts, the hearts of those that we speak to, that the word falls upon. Jesus is showing us, I think, this morning at least two things about the kingdom of God. Two questions that he wants to answer. The first question concerns the nature of the kingdom. Specifically, what is God doing in the world and how is God doing it? How is God building his kingdom? How is he setting up his rule and reign here on earth? And the second question has to do more with us. As the hearers, as those whom the word falls upon, what are we doing in response to what God is doing and to what he has done and what he has revealed to us in his word? And so to answer this question, to these, answer these questions, I want to walk through this parable with two simple truths that we need to be reminded of as a church again and again because they're fundamental to our mission. They're fundamental to what we are to be about as a church. And the first one is this, God is growing his kingdom by the sowing of his word. God is growing his kingdom by the sowing of his word. See, Jesus' story reminds us of something very basic and fundamental about how the kingdom comes. I want us to think for a moment about kingdoms on earth. How empires and nations and legacies are built We've talked about some of these before, Alexander the Great and Napoleon, two men, two short-lived kingdoms that were both built in the same way, by military might. Still other kingdoms rely less on military might and more on political savvy. You've got to know who to make an alliance with who to manipulate, who to use. And then we have the American way, the way of the people, the way of the vote, the way of consensus. If we put our heads together, we Americans can build anything, right? See, our culture, our world, tells us bigger, stronger, faster. Those are the words for how to build a kingdom. And Jesus declares in this parable that God's way of building his kingdom to the world is a setup for failure. The words for Jesus are not bigger, stronger, faster. They're actually smaller, weaker, slower. The sowing of seeds, the proclamation of his word. That's how it was. And that's how it will always be. 
And interestingly enough, as all of these other kingdoms will rise and fall, and even our own beloved country may one day fall if the Lord tarries, the spiritual kingdom of Jesus continues to gain more and more momentum. God is growing his kingdom by the sowing of his word. See, this is a needed reminder for us in the church. It's a needed reminder for us as church people on a number of different fronts. The first of which is because we so easily get sucked into the world's methodology and the world's way of thinking. We think, boy, we just need the right business model. We just need the right set of successful business men as elders implementing the right strategies and then we can grow our church then we can grow his kingdom and if we think that way then our focus becomes slick advertising fresh and and funky gimmicks and new things for the church to experiment with Sometimes we can think about the success of the kingdom depending upon political involvement. I prayed for our nation. We ought to be burdened for our nation. But sometimes we think in the church that we've just got to get the right people in power, legislating and presiding over the cause of Christ, and then Jesus can build his kingdom. And Jesus reminds us this morning that he's pleased to advance his cause by the sowing of seed, by the proclamation, the simple proclamation of Jesus' death and resurrection, by the planting of that word in the hearts and the minds of his people. And it happens here. It happens here every Lord's Day morning. It happens in pulpits all over this region, all over this world. As we sing of his truth in the assembly of the saints, as we build each other up and encourage in that word, we read it, we sing it, we pray it, we preach it, we see it, and yes, to the world, this is absolute foolishness what we're doing. Paul admitted as much when he wrote to the church at Corinth. For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. So as we look at this story this morning, a familiar story, what I want us, how I want us to respond is I want us to be reinstilled with a confidence in God's word. In our work together, in our worship together around that word. The word which is by his spirit turning hearts to Christ and building kingdom disciples in service to the king. And this sowing of seed is not just done corporately in this gathering. 
and in gatherings all over the world. It's done in your homes. As dads and moms make the word a centerpiece of your home, as you sit around the breakfast or the dinner table, as you walk together in God's creation and speak of him, as you bring the word of God to bear upon the lives of your children, as you speak that word to your coworkers, to your relatives, one by one, seeds are being planted. It's the word that God is using to build his kingdom. And how wonderful that, that, we, that we get to be a part. I mean, God is doing something huge. And all we're called is to simple, faithful sowing of the seed. The growth is up to God. Paul told the Corinthian church, I planted, Apollos watered, but God give, gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. And so the first point this morning is to rejoice in what God is doing through his word. To rejoice and to refocus and make the word of God the center of who we are. We don't need something new. We don't need something novel. We simply need to continue to be about the word. And one more thing before we move on to the second point. One more thing, and, and that is that seeds, this image that Jesus gives us, seeds... They don't grow into plants in a day. Right? This is where the, the slower part comes in. God's timetable is different. We want, we want fast. We want dramatic change. We want results now. In fact, as Jesus began his ministry on earth, one might have thought, I'm sure many did think, as Jesus was healing, as Jesus was gaining a following, as Jesus was doing exorcisms, as Jesus was doing all this whiz, bang, exciting stuff, you're on a roll, Jesus. Just keep it up. This is how you build your kingdom. Keep the healings coming. Keep the exorcisms coming. And what does Jesus say? He says, no. It's through the word. It's through the word of the kingdom, planted, nourished, watered, given time. That's how the kingdom will come. And we need to hear this as well. Because how easy it is to be discouraged when we know that we have sown seeds and those seeds aren't germinating. They're not yet blooming. God's word reminds you this morning, don't be discouraged. It often takes time. The Lord told the prophet in Habakkuk 2, 3, for the vision, he was speaking of the prophet's prophetic message. He says, for the vision awaits its appointed time. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. God is growing his kingdom 
by the sowing of his word. Trust it and wait for it. It will come. Well, that's the first point I want us to see and be challenged by and be reminded of this morning. And the second has to do with how we apply this word to our lives. How we ourselves receive this word. How we grow. And there's no simpler way than to say, cultivate your hearts. That's one of the walkaways, that's one of the takeaways from this passage this morning is cultivate your hearts. A few years back, we were visiting my folks' house up in Linden and around three quarters of their property, they have fields that a local farmer owns and my kids had the privilege of riding in the tractor as the farmer dissed the field in preparation for planting his corn. After a winter of rain, after a winter of trampling by cows, the soil needed to be prepared in order for the seed to flourish. Jesus puts that picture in our minds and says the same thing must occur with our hearts. With all hearts on which the seed falls upon. As Jesus talks about this growth He goes into great detail to explain the process, where the seed falls, what that soil looks like, what our hearts look like. Notice it's not the message, it's not the seed that's the issue. It's where the seed falls. It's the heart upon which the seed falls. And notice this, before we work through these specific soils, notice this, that The majority of the ground that the seed falls upon, a full three quarters of the ground that the seed falls upon, produces no fruit. No fruit at all. And yet Jesus doesn't seem alarmed by this. And therefore we ought not be alarmed. But we ought to think, how ought we to cultivate our hearts? And so first there is the seed that falls on the path The hard heart, basically this is the soil where the seed never even gets a chance. The soil's so hard that the seed doesn't even sink in a bit. After years and years of being trampled upon, after years of years of being walked upon and calloused, Satan has created in this heart with all of his tactics, his diversion, his distraction, Ability to destroy the word and to not allow it to sink in. This is a type of soil that I think not just those in this room who are not followers of Jesus, but even we as followers of Jesus need to be mindful of this. Certainly if we're here this morning and your heart is telling you to not listen to this nonsense, about Jesus and about his kingdom, not to even give it a consideration. Your heart is hard. It needs to be broken up. It needs to be humbled. But even those of us who love Christ and desire to hear his word, how easy it is for us to come, not just Sunday morning, 
But every morning, every time we open up God's word, how easy it is for us, and including myself, to come to God's word in a ho-hum attitude. And the more we are inattentive to God's word, the more calloused our hearts will become. And so we need to guard our hearts. We need to cultivate our hearts against the hard heart. The second type of soil that Jesus speaks of that the word falls upon is the rocky ground. The person who hears God's word, who receives it with enthusiasm, maybe extraordinary enthusiasm, and then something happens. Their faith was pressed. Walking with Jesus was cool for a time until the exclusive claims of Christ made evident that this was going to be a swim against culture. And this, I think, is a soil that ought to make us think in the church about how we present the gospel. About whether we bait and switch those with the gospel. Whether we tell them that Christianity is all about your best life now. That Christianity is all about successful living and then suffering and and tragedy hits And people are blindsided. Digging deep into God's word reveals that faith in Christ gives us hope and purpose in the midst of suffering. But it doesn't remove it from us. God's word calls us to cultivate our hearts. Well, the third type of soil exists among thorns. It's the heart that has been preoccupied, a heart that is embroiled in a battle for its allegiance. Will God's word rule and dictate my life, or will my own pleasure, will my own agenda, will my own stuff? This is so often too easily our culture. Self-centered, pleasure-seeking, materialistic, schedule-driven. We let things in our lives, we let even our own timetables choke out the Word. Cultivate your hearts. Jesus pulled no punches when he talked about overturning the weeds of idolatry and excessiveness. In Matthew 19, he talks to this rich young man and he attempted to help this man cultivate his own heart by challenging him on how much he owned and how distracted he was. And when it was all over, Jesus said to his disciples, truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus could say such a thing because He knows our hearts. He knows how easily the things of the world can strangle the word and can strangle spiritual life. And so he reminds us to cultivate our hearts. Well, the last kind of soil that Jesus speaks of in this passage is the heart that is ready the open heart, the well-cultivated heart, we might say. 
It's the goal. It's the goal that we all ought to have. The goal that God wants to point his church to this morning. Hearts that receive the word and that give evidence that that word has found deep root in its life. How do we cultivate this kind of heart? How do we make sure that our hearts are open to the word? Well, you're here. That's a start. Many of you are here every Lord's Day. That's a start. You are committing yourself. You are making the the gathering of God's people and the centrality of his word a priority in your life and in the life of your family. But I would also add that you need to pray. We need to pray. Ultimately, cultivating your heart, it's not something that you alone can do. It's something that God has to do in you. Even as Jesus said, he's got to give you ears to hear. And so pray for those ears to hear. Like the psalmist in Psalm 119, open our eyes to your word that we might see wondrous things in your law. Turn our eyes away from worthless things and give us life according to your word. Cultivating your heart begins with recognizing the importance, the centrality of God's word. That God is growing his kingdom through that word in your own life, in your own heart, in your own families, in the church, in this community, in this city. But then also humbling yourself before that word and praying for the grace to make it what it ought to be in your life. And then secondly, real practically, prepare yourself. Prepare yourself to hear to digest. We make a concerted, intentional effort in this church, in this body, to be about God's word, to be teaching it, to be proclaiming it, even in our youth classes, to be instructing our kids about how to understand it, how to ask questions of it. Collectively, we are seeking to cultivate our hearts, even as individually you're called to do that. Well, we could talk much more about this story, about Jesus' words, but go with this reminder, go with this encouragement. Bigger, faster, stronger is not the way of Jesus. Slower, weaker, smaller, at least in the eyes of the world, will ultimately triumph. And so cultivate your hearts. Center them among God's word. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you again for your word this morning, for its reminder to us of its centrality in our lives. Father, we confess how easy it is. I confess 
how easy it is for me. to want to see results quicker, to want to see results on a grander scale, and to be tempted to not be about what you have called the church and your people to be about. So Father, center us again on your priorities and on what you have promised to bless. Give us the grace to be patient. Give us the grace to be humble, to be receptive. Give us the grace to be used by you that indeed your kingdom would come and that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Oh Father, this we pray for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name, amen.